Welcome to How Now, the podcast where we talk about how to live in the now. And here's your host, Kim Martin Raymond. and blessings and welcome to another episode of How Now, where we talk about how to live in the now. I'm your host, Kim Martin Raymond, and I am a minister, spiritual life coach, author, and founder of Redefining You LLC, where I help my clients to realign themselves, mind, body, and spirit. Welcome again to another episode. And this week's episode is entitled Living in the Now When a Family Member is Chronically Ill. And this is something that um, you know, a lot of us are experiencing in this season of pandemic. We have had people who have been uh, exposed to the virus. We've had people who have uh, been considered long haulers, who have survived, but have had, you know, have developed illnesses that have been chronic. But we have also had people who have had existing conditions and things that have happened uh, prior to the pandemic. But Either way, it's worth the conversation to talk about these things because in this time and in this season, there are those added pressures of how we deal with helping chronically ill people who are in our care. And I have some amazing guests with me this evening who are just, you know, they're near and dear to my heart because I had the pleasure of of working with their daughter, who was a former student of mine. And so, you know, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes, but I'm going to give them an opportunity to introduce themselves as customary with How Now, because when we introduce ourselves, we allow people to receive us in the manner in which they want to be received. So with that being said, I'm going to ask my guests to introduce themselves at this time. Thank you, Kim. It is such a privilege to be here. So my name is Carl McCollman, and I um, my tagline, if you visit my website, my tagline is soul friend and storyteller. Yes. Uh, I am, I, I'm a blogger. I'm also a podcaster, um, and I have written some books. And most of all, I'm somebody who is just simply trying to live a conscious contemplative life. Um, and I guess that's probably enough for now. I'm sure more will kind of come Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Hi, I'm Fran McCollman. I'm Carl's wife. Um, I um, am also a, uh, see, I'm retired from the school system mm -hmm. um, where I worked um, in special ed doing um, materials production for students that were blind and visually impaired. Mm -hmm. um, now I'm mm -hmm. retired and uh, we work part-time at our church, but also I am a fiber artist. Um, I hand paint silk scarves. And um, since the pandemic started, I have start, started two new things. Um, I've been making masks and also um, I've started ice dyeing, um, ice dyeing um, shirts, tapestries, things like that. So um, yes, that's, I think that's good. Awesome. You know, like I said, I am thrilled that you both are here. Again, thank you so much for joining me and for talking about this topic that 
like I said, has, has touched your family and um, has touched me as a person who is, you know, a part of your family <laughs> in a way. Absolutely. I'll, absolutely. I'll say that. I'll say that. I think it's safe to say that, you know, we've broken bread, you know, we have visited one another. We have, we have our lives have, uh, and our paths have crossed, uh, you know, many years ago. And, um, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, I think it's safe to say we, we, we have a little bit of family status there. So again, yeah. I'm happy you guys are here. Yes. Yes. So, like I said, we want to talk about, you know, family members that are chronically ill. And um, of course, we cannot talk about that subject without talking about uh, your daughter, Rhiannon. And uh, Rhiannon, what a beautiful spirit. Like I said, I had the opportunity to have her as a student. I believe she was 13 years old when, when uh, she, was student. she was in middle school and, and I was working as a paraprofessional and um Rhiannon was in my class, and when I say she changed my life, she did. You know, we would we we sang so many songs together. You know, all I have to say, you know, the acoustics in the in the bathrooms at the school were. Oh. <laughs> Music was so important to her. Yes. Oh my goodness. and and I loved her with all of my heart, and you know, she little stories, things that that we did, you know, people come along in your life and they change your life for the better. They, they, they make you recognize the good in all that's around you. And, and that's what Rhiannon did. And so, you know, I want to talk about that because Carl, as he mentioned, he is an, uh, an author and he is a wonderful storyteller. He um, has written a book called Unteachable Lessons, you know, why wisdom can't be taught and I, I mean, I dug into that book. It's wonderful. But in that book, he talks about the experiences that he had with Rhiannon. And I'm going to have them lead in with that. Let's talk about Rhiannon and, and all things Rhiannon. <laughs> you should lead off since. Well, um, I should just give just a little bit of background. Sure. Um, Rhiannon was uh, born with polycystic kidney disease and underdeveloped lungs. And, um, and they didn't think she would make it at all. She was one of those miracle children that mm -hmm. against all the odds, she made it. Uh, but she had a stroke when she was three and it left her um, paralyzed basically as a quadriplegic in a wheelchair uh, for the rest of her life. She was never able to walk and she functioned pretty much as a child for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. uh, and she had, because of her, um, her uh, kidney disease, um, she was very fragile medically and spent, a, we spent a lot of time in doctor's offices mm -hmm. and in the hospital in and out and in and out. Um, and uh, also in special ed, she was in special ed in school. Mm -hmm. So, um, but she was, she was just the most amazing being. Um, yes. She just, she, she did. I have many people have come to me over the years and said, you know, she just touched me in a way that nobody mm -hmm. else had. Yeah. Uh, one man said to me one time, and, and I don't even remember who it was. I don't think it was somebody I knew, but for some reason, uh, maybe we were at a meeting and he, he ended up talking with her and uh -huh. he came to me afterwards and he said, you know, I thought I had a lot of problems 
until <laughs> I talked with her and she has such a great attitude. And I realized, you know what? I don't have those, as bad of problems as I thought I did. Right. So it just, he, she just made a difference in people's lives. Yes, she did. Rhiannon was somebody who had profound difficulties in mm -hmm. terms of you know, her physical handicap, her chronic illness, mm -hmm. her inability to walk. Um, you know, there were cognitive impairments related to the stroke. She, the, the deck was stacked against her, mm -hmm. but you wouldn't know it to just get to know her. She was a ray of sunlight. She was fun. She was playful. She had an amazing sense of humor. Amazing. <laughs> loved people. Uh, we, Fran and I are both introverts, and we said it was her penance to, to live with two introverted parents because Rihanna just wanted to party. She just wanted to be around people and have a good time. And, you know, and so she just, joy was her thing. Yes. And, and, and it was infectious. And when, when she was excited about something, she would just, her face would light up. And I mean, it was like, it was like incandescent light, just shining and, you know, forth. And so there was just so much fun to be around her. Yeah. And, and she, you know, as Fran mentioned, you know, because of her, her cognitive issues, she really did function uh, pretty much like a child her entire life. I should mm -hmm. mention now for, for listeners, Rhiannon was with us for 29 years. Well, with Fran for 29 years, with mm -hmm. me the last 22 of those 29 years. Mm -hmm. she, she left this earthly life uh, in August of 2014. Of course, we miss her dearly. Yes. But, um, but the, um, you know, so, so, so there was a beginning and an end, obviously. And, and mm -hmm. she had her, her, her measure of suffering because of her illness, but it never dimmed her spirit when she was lying on her deathbed, just a couple of days before she died, she was actually trying to help a friend of ours plan her daughter's birthday party. Wow. You know, and wow. so it's just, you know, so she went out the way she came in, you know, just, right. she was a party girl. She just loved people. She loved joy and she loved to share it. That's right. And it was That's just, it was, I, I cannot fathom my good fortune to have been able to spend, you know, over 20 years with this young lady. And, and there were challenges. And I mean, we can Absolutely. certainly talk about that. But, oh, but we right will. I, I want to lead with the joy because the joy <laughs> was such yeah. an important part of what it meant to be in relationship with her. Yeah. Well, yeah. she also, um, she cared very deeply about people. If she loved you, she yes. loved you. Yes. She cared. I and mean, you, you would sneeze and she'd go, are you okay? That's Are right. you okay? You know, I, I mean, she, and she works like, oh, I'm worried about so-and-so. They sneezed at, at school or they were coughing and I'm worried about them. And she, because she cared, she really, really loved people. And then the next time she saw you, she'd say, how are you doing? Are you okay? Right. You sneezed the last time I saw you. That's right. <laughs> Rihanna, there was just some dust in the air, you know? Okay. <laughs> Wicked memory, was, though. She remembered. She remembered. That was the depth of her of she her she, I remember one time I came home from work and Rhiannon must have been about 19 or 20 at this point. And I walked, I walked in the house and Rhiannon is just thrilled to see me. She's squealing. She's jumping up and down in her wheelchair, of course. Yes. You know, the whole wheelchair is rocking back and forth. There's just all this joy. You know, she's this little joy fountain. That's right. and, and Fran turns to me and Fran says, 
Now, how many daddies do you know that have a 19 year old that's that excited to see them? And it was a good, it was a good yes. thing for me to, to hear because I, I had to stop and just cherish that moment. That's it. You know, that sense, that sense of, 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 of joy that, that she could express when she cared for you. That's you know? it. But that goes to that now, that goes to that whole aspect of being present. Like you're saying, talking about and being in the now, because how many of those moments could have been missed or, 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 or overlooked by the busyness that we have in life? You know, you're coming in from work and, you know, probably just ready to pop down and, and you know, decompress from the course of the day. But to have someone be that excited and to be able to say yes and to remember it and to recall it. I mean, as soon as you said that rocking in that chair, I remember when I used to come in, Miss Martin. <laughs> yeah, and so, I, I remember that. I remember yeah. that. And because that, just like you said, there was not a moment when she was not excited about seeing you. And that's the beauty of, uh, you know, someone who, who has an illness like that and, and being able to take it in stride because not all, you know, not all people who experience that are able to do that. Right. You know? and, and, and to be fair, you know, Rhiannon had her bad days. She was human, you know, she, she could, she could throw a temper tantrum for the ages. Yeah. And she, you know, yeah. when she got angry, she could say cutting things, you know, Rhea, I, I, I just, just She's in the interest an angel. of being, of being, of being honest here. Yes. But, you know, that's true of all of us. We all have bad days. We all have sh our shadow side, but her, the light that shone through her was so amazing. And again, it was just such a, such a grace to have her. In our yes. Life. Yes. And like I said, it was, it was wonderful to read that chapter uh, in the, in the book and the chapter is called Rhiannon. And, and you talk about your experiences, you talk about the interactions that you had with her. And yes, you know, we talked about, you know, every day was not always, you know, rainbows and lollipops. We know that, you know, that with, with uh, the responsibility of taking care of someone who has a chronic illness, you know, we have to be able to be in a space of, of filling our own cup to be able to to not only care for, for the person who has that chronic illness, but to also take care of ourselves because we can get into spaces, just like you said, we're all human. We can get into spaces where the stresses of life compounded with having to, you know, have such, you know, consistent contact, you know, or care with that person. Times of resentment can come up, times of anger, times of frustration, of saying, you know, every day, all day, really, you know, those are the, th those are the realities. And that's something that I definitely want to talk about because especially in this time of pandemic, if, if, if someone is, is suffering uh, with, uh, with uh, a extended illness and are requiring care, that person who cares for them is, you know, not only having to deal with this pandemic and the fears that come along with transferring viruses and, and making sure that they're keeping themselves safe so that they can keep that person safe. You know, there, there's, you know, there, there are just, that's just the reality of it. How, how do you cope with that? How do you get, you know, through that, that time and space? And, and you spoke about it so beautifully in the chapter. So, you know, I want you to just expound a little bit on that experience. Well, you know, as, as I alluded to a few minutes moments ago, I was Rhiannon's stepfather. Mm -hmm. Although I will say that for Rhiannon's part, she 
totally accepted me as dad, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we definitely had, had a, a daddy daughter relationship. And, um, you know, and I had to learn how to be the caregiver that she deserved. Mm -hmm. And, and it is, um, you know, I made mistakes along the way. And, you know, and so the, 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 and you, know, you had mentioned the title of the book is Unteachable Lessons. Yes. And so that's really what I, what I say in the book is that the greatest unteachable lesson I ever learned, and by unteachable lesson, I mean, you can't learn it from a book. You can't just take a seminar, you know, a webinar, and in two hours, you will learn how to be a long-term caregiver. No, you yeah. know, you learn to be a long-term caregiver by doing it, by living it. And, and that's what, what I really discovered was, you know, when I, when I first married Fran and, and Rhiannon and I and Fran created a family, I was in some way, you know, I was a young man. In some ways, I was not emotionally ready for the stresses and the strains of long-term caregiving. And, and I talk about this in the book. Fran and I had some big fights. We eventually started working with a therapist, which I think was a tremendous gift for our marriage. It really helped us. And, um, you know, and I had to deal with some feelings of resentment or some feelings of anger. You alluded to some of those mm -hmm. things. And, you know, but Rhiannon won me over. And, you know, and I, I learned that life, you know, life is not a dress rehearsal. This is it. This is our life. You talked about how now, living in the now, living in the present moment. This is what God has given us. And what I didn't realize was in the 22 years that I was Rhiannon's, really her, I was her secondary caregiver because Fran, of course, was her primary caregiver. But, um, but Rhiannon taught me how to love and she taught me how to be a caregiver. And when Rhiannon died, I really had kind of this feeling Oh, I was, I was such a failure for her mm. and Fran and friends of ours and family members and people who had seen Rhiannon's and my relationship, mm. they would say, oh no, you were a gift to her. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, well, she was a gift to me. I, I'll admit that. But I didn't see how I was a gift to her. And they said, mm -hmm. look at how much she loved you and cared for you. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you had not been a a good dad to her, that wouldn't have been the case. And, right. and it, was, it was this interesting learning experience for me to realize without even realizing it, that little girl taught me how to love. Mm. And, and I will, you know, and I, I believe in heaven. I believe we will see each other again. And I will thank her, you know, for that tremendous gift that she Yes, gave. yes. And now you said something important. You said that, you know, you were, you know, her secondary uh, caregiver. And of course, Fran, as her mom, you were her primary caregiver. And, yes. you know, uh, you know, a mother's love, of course, surpasses all, you know, and, and, you know, even in that space, you know, you still, I'm sure, experience times of, of frustration as well. You know, people just figure, oh, well, you know, you're her mom, you're always going to be on and ready and, and taking care of that. So of course, speak speak to that a little bit. <laughs> well, um, Rhiannon, um, my, to just give you a, a, a picture, um, even though she lived to be 29 years old, mm -hmm. um, she had the self-care skills of a two-year-old. Mm -hmm. So yes, it meant that she did need a lot of caretaking. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and and we talk about um, being present, being here now. Um, it was really important. Um, you had we learned that you had to be really present with her. That's where she was all the time. That's where she dwelled was in the present. Mm -hmm. And if you um, were with her. Um, it was really, really good to pay attention to her, not give her all the attention she wanted necessarily, but pay attention to what was going on with what she was saying, what she was looking like, right. because she could change on a dime. You know, she could get upset or um, disappointed mm -hmm. or, I mean, things could happen. And if you, if you were watching her, you could often see a storm coming before it got mm -hmm. there. And you could uh, distract her with something else. Right. Change the topic, change the setting, uh, sing a song, uh, ask her something about something else, and avoid um, an unpleasant situation. Right. Because when you have someone that has a traumatic brain injury, which she had because mm -hmm. of the stroke, they can be um, volatile. And, and unexpected times. And so it really, really was a good idea to be at present with her and pay attention. Yeah. Now, having said that, it is not always easy to be present with another person. It is just not. <laughs> when you're doing well, doing your best, um, it works really well. But uh, this is something that I, in fact, perhaps this is the thing that I wanted to say most of all to mm -hmm. you and to mm -hmm. your audience. Mm -hmm. the, I learned so many things from Rhiannon, so mm -hmm. many things, but the thing that I go back to again and again and again is that you need to be gentle with yourself because every day is different. And so every day you just have to do the best that you can and remember that your best is going to be different each day because you're in a different place. You're in a, a different space, um, you know, a different emotional place. You might be tired. Um, you might be in a strange situation. There are so many variables that you cannot control and you just need to make a commitment to do your best yeah. and remember that your best is different day to day and forgive yourself mm. be gentle with yourself give yourself space you're not always going to do it perfectly you just mm. there's just no way you can because it's such an enormous thing to be a primary caregiver yes. to someone that has major medical issues and um, all the things going on with them that Rhiannon had yeah. going on with her wow so, i mean and that you said that that's something that's so important for people to to remember is just for today yes yeah. just for today you know if if anything else let me just do what i can for today uh -huh. and let tomorrow take care of itself yesterday is already gone and you know like you said if, if you don't do that like i said you miss all of the joy and all of the wonderful things that that she is excited about for that day worrying about what happened yesterday, yes. you know? And well, she's already let go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was much better at that than Yes. Me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
you know, one of the things that we eventually got a, a van that, that had a locking system, but uh -huh. before we had that, Rhiannon, of course, was always in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. She never was able, from the time she was three years old and had her stroke till the time she passed away at 29. Mm -hmm. So for over a quarter of a century, over 26 years, mm -hmm. she always required a wheelchair just right. to move in the world. And so to, to transport her, we had a van mm -hmm. with a hydraulic lift. Yes. And then we would we would wheel her in, and then we had to use these tie-downs right. to tie her wheelchair so it was safe in the van when off we would go. Right. And it was a it was a it was an operation. It was a process. Oh, it was I remember. It, it, yes. it took, yeah, yeah, you you had some sense of that. And you know, and so it was easy, especially for me, because I'm a fairly high energy person and I you know, kind of like to get with the program. Right. And with Rhiannon, the program just took time, you know. So one of the things I learned fairly early on was, you know, you just, you just do it, but then you try to find ways to bring joy in the middle of the job. That's it. And, and with Rhiannon, as, as you already have alluded, singing songs, yes. making jokes, yes. you know, coming up with just playful, silly stuff. Rhiannon and I would have pet names for one another. You know, she was Kermit the Frog and I was Gonzo the Great. And, so, you know, and then that made Fran, poor Fran was Camilla the Chicken. But Camilla and Gonzo, we were sweethearts. So it was still awesome. But um, one time, Rhiannon, after that movie Shrek came out, Rhiannon uh -huh. decided she was the little donkey and I was Shrek, which made sense because I am kind of an ogre. And, and Fran got to be Princess Fiona. So, uh -huh. you know, so we just would play. Yeah. And, and, and we were blessed because obviously Rhiannon, that was catnip for her. She loved to play. It may yeah. be different with a different, you know, person that you're taking care of yeah. where that person may be suffering more, but yeah. we were very blessed. But, you know, I would say that, you know, yeah, try to find the joy in the job, however yeah. you can, because yeah. the job's going to be there, you know, yes. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, you just, you just have to do what you need to do. But then the question, you know, you can you can choose to feel all victimized about it. And, you know, isn't my life terrible that I'm stuck taking care of this person? But that doesn't help anybody. No. You know, least of all yourself. No. And so then if you can just say, you know, this is the place where God has placed me. That's right. And 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 you know, and hopefully, I mean, obviously, sometimes you're a caregiver of somebody that isn't family, but if it is family, hopefully you can say, and I love this person and I care for this person. Right. And we're gonna just get through it. That's you know, right. and I think that's one thing Fran and Rhiannon and I eventually we did kind of become a little kind of like a team, the three of yes. us, you know. Yes. And and that that was very, very helpful. So I mm. I I guess that really was important too. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and I think it's all about mindset. Just like you said, you know, you talk about, you know, it, it's all in the terminology and, and you said something, you know, that, that I've heard other people who have been caregivers to say, I'm stuck. Mm -hmm. I was, st I'm stuck taking care of this person and I'm stuck, you know, so you're going into it with a negativity already attached to it. Yeah. You know, instead of, you know, I'm blessed to be able to be a part of this person's care. You know, I'm assisting in helping them. You know, I'm assisting in, in, in making, you know, life a little more, e you know, a little easier for them. Brings and that's, that in essence is what we're doing. 
we're helping to make their, their make them comfortable. We're helping to to create a a a space that's that's going to you know be you know less tense. So when you look at it from that perspective, you know, with and, and that and not being a chore, then you can begin to to start saying, okay, so now how can how can we go about making this fun, or how can we go about tapping into those things that bring them that joy? And I, I want to say this because I certainly have felt those stuck feelings. I don't know if yeah. Fran ever did. Maybe you did at some point. But um, so I don't, you know, there's no shame in feeling those feelings. Right. You know, it's normal. I think it's normal for a caregiver Absolutely. to get really angry and to get really frustrated and to shake your fist at God and say, why, why me? Well, why this person? Why are they so sick? And then why me that I am stuck? There it is, caring for this person. So I think those are those are just normal feelings. And if we feel those feelings, not to not to shame ourselves. But what I think you're you're alluding to, Kim, that I think is so important mm -hmm. is that there's always the opportunity to make that shift. Okay. To make that shift from I'm stuck here to I'm blessed here. That yeah. I this is an opportunity for me to be of service. Okay. And you know, and I think that is so important for, for me and Fran is that, you know, our commitment to Rhiannon was grounded in spiritual principles. Yes. And that, you know, I, I do believe that, and, and I'm, we're Christian, so we use Christian language. I hope, you know, anybody who That's listens fine. to this, a Christian, you can translate it, you know, but in Christian language, we believe that Christ is present in every heart. Right. And I mean every heart. I mean, even, even in mass murderers, even in Osama bin Laden, Christ is present in every heart. And part of the job of, of being a spiritual person is to find that divine presence. Yeah. And when you can access that, then I think it's just a little bit easier to say, I am here to serve. Yeah. I can serve Christ through Rhiannon. That's right. You know, and that, um, and then you know, um, that becomes then it becomes a privilege. It becomes an honor. You know, again, there, you still have bad days. You still Absolutely. have those. No, 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 I'm stuck feelings. <laughs> that's right. But, but that's you know, it's it's kind of like you know, you're tired. What do you do when you're tired? You take a nap. You go to bed. You know, what do you do when you're hungry? Go grab something to eat. Right. It's, it's okay if sometimes you're like Francis, if sometimes your best isn't your best, right. that's okay. But then take good care of yourself, which includes that spiritual, you know, whether it's meditation, contemplation, prayer, um, you know, there's, there's many different disciplines that we can, we can access, but doing that spiritual self-care helps us to recalibrate towards right. that love and that service. Right. And, and then you really can find joy, even in the midst of what might seem to be a very difficult circumstance. Right. Well, I, I, um, <clears throat> I just also wanted to say that um, with Rhiannon, uh, because she was a miracle child, they didn't think she would make it. And, you know, when she was three days old, they, they had said to, um, in a meeting with the doctors, they had said, we have no plan of care and we suggest you disconnect her life support systems. And I said, no, I, I, I just can't do that. She's fighting. And as long as she's fighting, right. it's my job as her mother to support that. Right. And so I think they kind of looked at me like I was a little crazy, but 
but we we moved on and and it was amazing that she got better and came home and against all the odds and then the stroke was really bad and things changed again and I guess the reason I bring all that up again is because all of those things I brought home to me that she was not the probability was that she was not going to be living to old age right and so it made it 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 made it easier to say i need to be present with her as much as i can because our time is limited right we didn't they didn't really expect her to make it out of her teens mm-hmm. i mean it was an absolute miracle and i and i i know for a fact that one reason she did was because of the love and support of people around her. So mm-hmm. many people prayed for her, yes. and prayed for us. Right. You know, that, that whole um, idea of it takes a village to raise a child. It took a lot of people yes. to support Rhiannon in her life. Right. And um, I, I am so grateful to all the people that prayed for her, prayed mm-hmm. for us, people that when we saw them or talked to them, they took time to, to interact with her. And she loved that. She absolutely loved that. Um, That fed her that that was just the most wonderful thing for her. Um, One thing that we also did was um, that could work in the pandemic is um, she had a a buddy or two that she could talk to on the phone. Mm. So um, her grandparents had had passed, but um, there was a wonderful woman in our church, Miss Claudette, and she and Miss Claudette would chat on the phone together. Mm -hmm. And she just loved that just love that. I mean, it was, it was just the most incredible thing. And, and so even in the pandemic, if you can find any way for a person to interact with other people so right. that you're, you have a little bit of a break, that's really helpful. It's Zoom or, yeah. or, yeah. or, or FaceTime or whatever. Right. Listening to Fran speak, another thing I want to mention, I'm, I'm reading an interesting book right now. It's by a named Amanda Palmer and the title is The Art of Asking. And and Amanda Palmer is a musician and so she's she's writing primarily for for creative professionals. Uh But I think that principle applies just as much to caregiving. And this was something that I saw with Fran. I mean even when we were just dating is that Fran knew how to ask for help. And, you know, she would ask me for help. She would ask other people. She'd ask her mother. Her mother was still alive at this point. And, and even into when we got into hospice care at, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of Rhiannon's life, we had, we had a whole team of people we called Rhiannon's minions. It was mm-hmm. from that movie, Despicable Me. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, and so, so Rhiannon had her minions. And, and these were the people that we could count on. And so I think that, you know, and, and, and the thing is, is we live in a culture, and this is what Amanda Palmer talks about in her uh-huh. book. We live in a culture that kind of militates against that. Like it's wrong to ask. You should make your own way in the world, you know, and all those kinds of things. And she's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, you know, it is, it is, it is our nature as human beings. Human beings are social creatures. Yes. It is our nature to need help and to want to offer help. You know, and that can be financial help, that can be just baking somebody a cake, that could be respite care, 
you know, there are so many different ways, getting on the phone and giving somebody, you know, uh, the opportunity to go take a nap, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and obviously everybody's circumstances are unique and we know that what worked in our situation may not apply to other people's. But I think this principle is pretty universal. And that is, you know, trying to find people that you can trust to ask for help and then to do it, you know, to be vulnerable enough to say, I really need your help right now. And, and I think most people, obviously, if, some, if somebody can't do it, they'll say no. But most people, I think, are honored yes. when they're asked to help. And, yeah. and that becomes a way to strengthen those bonds. You know, mm -hmm. I, I do a lot of work. I, I think you, you know this, Kim. I do a lot of work with the Trappist monks. Uh -huh. And the Trappist monks, they, they talk about their relationship in the monastery as bonds of charity. And, and, I, and a charity, not just in the sense of like, you know, giving money to somebody who, who needs it, but charity in maybe the classical sense of compassion mm -hmm. and love and care. And so I think that's what holds a family together, Absolutely. our bonds of charity. But that also, you know, again, it takes a village, you know, your tribe of, of people who can, who can support you in whatever ways. There, mm -hmm. it's those bonds of charity that make the helping and the caring and the support uh, really happen. And it's I just mean, a thing. You, 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 have, you have spoken <laughs> life, I hope, into, you know, not only to me, but also into our listeners for that very reason. Because like you said, being able to ask for the help, being able to say that I need help, to be able to recognize that, you know, it's, it's more than, you know, you, you've been given the responsibility to take care of, of that person, but you also realize that, okay, I, you know, I have to have time to be able to pour back into myself so that I can come back strong. I need help. And, and especially, I'm sure, friend, as, a, as a parent and, and, and always being there to give consistent care, you begin to, you know, or you have some people who think, you know, nobody's going to take care of my child or my mom or anybody better than I can. And, and, you know, that's where that level of trust has to be established with those, you know, you, in, in your instance, you trusted Carl to be able to be that secondary person. You didn't say, no, 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 go and sit down. You're like, you know, your turn, tag, you're it. I'm sure after a while, it was kind of nice to be able to say, hey, your turn, baby's crying, you know, that kind of thing, <laughs> you know, but, but and yeah. we would do that. If one of us was getting to the end of our rope, yeah, we would say, you need to take over now. You yeah. Know? I need a break yeah. <laughs> or yeah. you need a break or, but being able to be in that space to say that, to yeah. be able to, to be comfortable enough to say, you know what? I'm not a failure. I just need a break. I just need right. to recharge. I just need to regroup for a minute. So, yep. you know, it's not taken as as a as a failure or or that you're you're not capable or competent. It's just that you need a break. All of us do, yep. and that's just human nature, you know. And so, I mean, I, I love that you address that because that's something that's so important. It is important to have other people. I know it's difficult, like you said, in this time of pandemic, but you know, as you're establishing those, those ties, even like you said, if it's just to give that person an opportunity to hear that person's voice or to see that person via Zoom, 
You know, they, they have an opportunity to, to see somebody different or to see something different. And, and that's, that helps. So, I mean, I, I love that you explain that because that's where people need to be, especially in this now, in this time of pandemic, to be able to, to you know, find that space and not get caught in that vacuum. Just like you said, call about feeling your feelings. It's okay to express those feel, feelings, but it's not okay if you live in them <laughs> and you don't know how to go past them. You know, you had those feelings, you work through them, and then you come back. And then you're able to, to you know, move forward from there. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we have a friend who um, um, uh, has, has come up with a great idea. Mm -hmm. She is a godparent for, for to two little children that live out in the Northwest. Uh -huh. And she lives here in Atlanta. She's one of Rhiannon's minions. She's yeah. one of Rhiannon's minions, too. <laughs> um, and, and we just love her so much. And she knows that, um, I can't remember um, their, the mom's name, the children's mom's name, or even the children's name, but she knows the mom is really busy and she, uh, she's, it's hard being at home during, mm -hmm. especially during uh, COVID, during the pandemic. And so during this pandemic, she's taken to um, uh, getting online with the children mm -hmm. in the afternoon and reading them a book. Oh, nice. And she reads them a picture book and talks with them and plays with them and they love it. And even if it's just 30 minutes, it gives mom a break. Yes. And, and the mom is so, so happy that she does that because maybe she's trying to work online and she can't do everything at one mm -hmm. time. And if, if um, our friend Marla talks to um, these two godchildren that she loves dearly, um, then she keeps them occupied for a few minutes and, and mom gets a break. So that's another idea. That reminds Cassidy. Cassidy yes. calls her nephew on Zoom. I think she does it every day. Ah. Um, a shout out to Cassidy Hall, who's the co-host of uh, the podcast that I, I co-host, um, Encountering Silence. Uh, little plug, but um, <laughs> the Cassidy and her um, her nephew get on Zoom pretty regularly, maybe even every day, and they share a LaCroix. So the, oh, the nephew has his, his can of LaCroix. Uh -huh. Cassidy has her can. I think the nephew's in California. Cassidy's in Indianapolis. Uh -huh. And they just have their moment together. And it's kind of the same thing. It's, it's it, I'm sure it gives um, Cass, I don't know if it's her sister or her sister-in-law, but, but, or, or the brother or brother-in-law, you know, gives the parents a break and then Cassie gets some auntie time. So, there you know, you so there's lots of ways this can play there you out. Go. And everyone's cup is getting filled in a different way. And, and, yeah. and that's something, you know, you're, you're meeting needs on so many levels. They're getting the break, but then, like you said, they're getting an opportunity to, to spend time with with, uh, you know, friends and family. And that's the beauty in this and, and, you know, being able to virtually do these things. We're doing things that we would have never thought to do right. had the pandemic not occurred. And so, you know, it's happened, but it's, it's taught us to be creative about the way that we connect with one another. And, and, and it still shows that it's something beneficial even for that person that has, you know, the, uh, you know, issues with, with terminal illnesses. It's helping everyone. This platform, this, this show is giving people opportunities to hear ways in which to 
to, you know, cope with things. It's all about having a level of understanding and being and having a level of empathy and having a level of compassion about other people. It's about taking care of yourself, but it's also about taking care of yourself so that you can pour into others. I always say that. Take care of yourself to the point of overflow where you can pour into others. I love that, that we're able to do that or that we can get into that space. And that, you know, we, we don't feel as though we're trapped. We don't feel as though we, we're being forced into something or we're being punished. We understand that it may be a feeling that we have. You know, we are, we are you know, spiritual beings living a human experience. And so, you know, we get to a space where, you know, at times we may feel angered or frustrated, but then we turn around and we say, you know, wait a minute. It, it's, it's not just about, you know, it's not just about me. It's about this person that I'm helping as well. It's about the energy that I'm bringing to that person as well. You know, people feel, you know, they know, you know, and I'm sure, you know, Rhiannon, Rhiannon was very keen, like you said, on knowing how you felt. You know, I was a very jovial person at the, at the, in the season when, when our paths crossed. And, you know, if I came in and was not having a good day, she'd be looking at me like, you're like, what's the matter with you? <laughs> she cared and so you know and 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 people have to be mindful of that too the 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 negativity or the feeling that you give off that energy gets carried into that person too so we have to be mindful of how we're carrying ourselves because you know we can take down their you know we can take a day that they may have been you know feeling good and turn it around based on how we're feeling. So, you know, it's just a matter of, like you said, being present, being present, you know, figuring out what we can do to, to make the experience best for everybody involved. So, yeah, like I said, I appreciate you guys sharing that. We also had to um, cultivate a sense of humor. Oh yeah. That was very, very important. Because sometimes a sense of humor was the only thing that, that would get us out of a bad place. It was the lubricant of life. Laughter <laughs> <laughs> is such a big thing. It's yes. so important. And uh, yes. however you find that, not laughing at someone. Yes. But with but someone. With someone. And um, uh, just finding things as humorous as often as possible. Because... Mm-hmm. If you could find it humorous instead of disastrous, it made it a whole lot easier. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And cultivating um, your faith in the goodness of life and in God and and having a prayer life. Because there were so many times when um, prayer, I think, was probably the only thing that pulled us through mm. so many things with her, so many medical crises and, and, um, just so many situations. And so it was not only, as I said earlier, that other people were praying for us. It was also prayer with us, you know, for our prayers. And, um, at one point in time, we had a, a wonderful for the, actually for the last few years of Rhiannon's life, we had a wonderful CNA working with us who, um, when I would go to work in the morning, uh, Sharon would be here with Rhiannon. And she, when she was getting her up, they would start the morning off praying together. Oh, nice. And I just loved that. Oh, I just yeah. loved that. And, and she, she, Rhiannon just loved it too. 
Um, and so it was a really wonderful thing. I think that that, that was a very um, nurturing thing for Rhiannon as well. So, and prayer was so important to us because if we hadn't been praying and, and finding some quiet time to meditate, I, I think we wouldn't have been able to do it all. It just, that we could never do it all just by ourselves. It just isn't, it just wasn't that way. God knew we needed each other and we needed him. And, and so prayer was so, so important then, and it's still important, but particularly with caring for her. You know, um, the Bible promises that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And I, I believe that, you know, with my life. And I believe that's true universally. I think that's how any human being can love is because that love comes from the source of all love. Yeah. But what prayer and meditation and contemplation do is they help us to remember this truth. And I mean that there's a pun there, to remember that, yeah. to, to embody, to embody this truth. So we literally become embodiments of divine love. Yeah. And that, that can carry us even through those very difficult times. I love so. that. We remember that time. Oh my goodness. That's a wonderful takeaway. That's a wonderful, wonderful segue into, you know, just, you know, as we, as we start to wrap things up here, because like I said, I think it's just, it's been some wonderful nuggets and I want people to be able to reflect on those things as well, you know, is for us to how do I say? We want to we want to be able to be in a place where you know when when that person gets to the end of life, when that person gets to that space where they have transitioned, that we're left in a space of feeling that we've done what it was that we were called to do in that season, but that we're also able to transition into that space of moving beyond that space. Because when you've been in that space so long, you know, and then you, you know, are no longer there, what does that feel like? What does that look like when you have immersed yourself into loving and caring for someone for such an extended period of time. And then it's like, okay, how, how do you prepare for that? That's a big question. Yes. You, and, you know, I, what, what comes to mind, you know, is the day I see, I was working out of the home at that point. I, mm -hmm. I started working, you know, in self-employment about a year before Rhiannon passed away. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, I, and Fran was still working for the school board. Now, of course, she had time off after the, the passing and during the funeral and all mm -hmm. that. But the day came when Fran went back to work and I was in this house and I was all alone. And of course, Rhiannon had been in here with her oxygen machine making noise and nurses and chaplains and all these kind of people coming in and out, you know, the hospice social workers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the minions. And suddenly I was in this, this space all by myself and it was quiet. And I love silence. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm kind of a 
kind of a semi-monk. I mean, I'm very happily married, but I'm, <laughs> I've got monkish tendencies. But um, but but that was that was a that was a tough day. That was a tough day, and um, and and learning to to be okay with it, and. You know, and, and Fran and I, we've, you know, and this has been a conversation we've had literally for six and a half years now. Wow. The missing never goes away. Wow. It just never, and, you know, some days are worse than others. Some moments are worse than others. There will be something that will just remind me of Rhiannon. And it's like, it's like a little pin to my heart, you know, and I can see it with Fran. She might tear up if something reminds her or whatever. And we just know this, we don't want that to heal. Because mm -hmm. that is the that is the topography of our love for him, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and and you know so. But it is it is hard, and I think that that's number one is to acknowledge it's hard. Grief we're talking about grief. Grief is a process like anything else. Mm -hmm. um, so I think a lot of things we've been talking about: being gentle with yourself, mm -hmm. trusting that some days will be better than others, um, leaning on friends, asking for what you need, taking good care of yourself. All of that still applies. It's kind of like the work is not done. That's right. But maybe at that point, you've given the person back to God. Mm -hmm. That's really, really important. And that was what really helped us. A monk talked to, to, to us about this, that, that God gave her to us. And now it was time for us to give her back to God. Mm -hmm. And um, so we've done that. Now it's like all that work we focused on caring for her. We really need to focus on caring for ourselves. There you have it. And, um, and it's been a journey. So we, um, that brings up two little things that I wanted to mention. Um, one is um, that <clears throat> is a story that someone else told. Um, a friend of a friend, um, uh, the woman's father passed. He'd mm -hmm. been very ill mm -hmm. and uh, he passed and she was grieving and grieving and grieving. And she said, um, one night she dreamed that she saw her father and was talking to him and she said, oh, dad, I'm, I'm so sorry that we put you through all that medical stuff. You know, it was so hard and I'm, I, I'm just so sorry. You know, it did seem, didn't seem to make a lot of difference. You know, you passed anyway. And he said to her, all I remember is the love. Right. And I think, okay, so all that Rhiannon, all that happened to Rhiannon, she had so many medical things, so mm -hmm. many hard things medically, but I believe all she remembers is the love. And then um, I had a, we have a, a friend um, that was uh, more Rhiannon's age, someone mm -hmm. Rhiannon's, Rhiannon's friend, Rhiannon's yeah. friend. Mm -hmm. and he dreamed um, that he was, that he saw Rhiannon and they were walking around together. Rihanna never could walk in her wow. whole life. She could not walk. Right. She wore AFOs to stabilize her ankles and mm -hmm. sometimes KAFOs that came all the way up to her thighs to stabilize mm -hmm. her knees for transferring and so forth. And he got in touch with me. He said, I, I, I took a nap and, and when I, I don't usually take naps, but I took a nap and I was really discouraged about some things in my life. And I saw Rhiannon and mm. We were walking around together, wow. walking around. And she kept saying to me over and over again, I love my life now. I love my life now. Wow. And he said, I, I was just so stunned, you know, and he said, 
she said, well, let's sit down. And so he said, sure. So they, they went to sit down and they sat down on beanbags chairs, which was something that Rihanna loved when she was really little, mm-hmm. something that she outgrew because it was hard to lift her in and out of a beanbag chair. Mm-hmm. But so they sat down and he looked down and saw her feet and she had on her ankle foot orthotics, her AFO. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was someone with them in the dream. I don't, he didn't know whether it was her grandmother or caregiver or a guardian angel, but someone, and the person said to her, said to him, she wears those AFOs here to remind her of all the things she overcame on earth. Wow. 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 And so having had those two things, the stories told to me now, when I miss Rhiannon, I think she loves her life now. Yes. She's told, she's gotten the message to me through a friend. Yes. She loves her life now. Yes. I believe that all she remembers is the love. And I believe I will see her again. Yeah. And so I, I get, I tear up sometimes. I miss yeah. her and yeah. I just talk to her. I assume that she can hear me. That's and I say, you know, I'm missing you. I miss you. I would love to have a hug. I would love to hold your hand. I would love to hear you laugh. But I am so happy that you are happy where you are, and I will be there with you one day. That's it. That's and, it. You know, and I mentioned this in the book, but you know, before Rhiannon passed away, she asked each one of us to look out after the other. Yes. And, and so, you know, and Fran and I have talked about this that that really the best way we can honor Rhiannon now is to live our best life. That's right. Even without her, even missing her. Yes. Um, but, you know, if Fran has has taken on some wonderful new new art um, projects that she does. She's a very, you know, I know I know in audio, you can't see it. Right. If people come and visit my website, I've got a page devoted to Fran's stuff. They can yes. see some of her stuff. <laughs> but, um, but you know, Fran has taken on some art. I, you know, I continue to do my writing and my 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 work. Fran and I have started this new ministry in our church, mm-hmm. where we help people who are preparing for baptism or for confirmation. Mm-hmm. And it's um, you know, yeah, we miss her. We do. But yeah, we try we try we figure one way to honor her is to try to live our lives with joy and so and i mean uh, and you've answered the question of that i always ask at the end of each show is how how you're living in the now and you're doing that through through your artwork through your ministry through your writings and what have you and and that's and you know that's part of of you know the joy of being able to know that you know we we've done what we can but that we're also, you know, in taking care of others, that we're taking care of ourselves as well, you know, because we don't know what the next, uh, you know, challenge may be. We don't know that we may not be called to yet again help someone else in our family who may experience something. But we're we're prepared. We're we're ready, you know, and and we know what to do, you know, should it should it happen again. And it's it's a possibility. We do not know. We don't know what, you know, but we just know that the Lord prepares us for those things that, that, uh, you know, he, he sets for us to accomplish and, and we achieve those things. And I just, you know, I think that it's wonderful. The one thing, you know, you go over talking about little memories that you have. I have one memory 
uh, something that that uh, Rhiannon said to me, and uh, we were talking about it was the, it was the thirty days have September, you know, thirty days have September, April, June, and November. All the rest have thirty one, except Grandma. She rides a bicycle, and I'm all <laughs> I still remember that. I was like, what does Grandma Trump ride a bicycle have to do with the thirty days of September? I will never forget that, friend. I mean. I remember, you know, still contemplating years later, like, what in the world did that child mean by 30 days in September, 30, you know, <laughs> April, June, and November? But, you know, all of us have 31, but grandma, she rides a bicycle and she would crack up laughing. And Rhiannon, if you if you said, Rhiannon, what's a non sequitur? She would not be able to answer that question, <laughs> but she knew that that was funny. She, <laughs> she, she knew it. That. She would crack up laughing, and yeah. and I have never forgotten that to this day. Oh. That, I, and I said, days. I was like, I have no idea what that means, but that it just cracked me up, and it cracked her up. But you know, it's the little things. It's the little things, you know, that that carry us through. And and I have to say. You know, she touched my life, like I said, in a way that I will never forget. And it will always eternally keep us connected, you know, because, you know, Fran and I both both worked uh, for the same school system and, you know, our paths were crossed. And then, you know, I remember when we finally got a chance to see, see each other some years later and she shared with me that Rhiannon had passed and I shared with her that my daughter had passed. They had met and now our daughters are there together and we will both see them both again. Yes. And I know this to be true. And so, you know, it, that that just warms my heart, too, that that they're there together. And, you know, it's going to always connect us. And so, like I said, I thank you guys so, so very much for being here, you know, with me to talk about, you know, this this experience that you've had and also, you know, to help others to to be able to go through this experience, you know, with a little bit more wisdom and knowledge than they may have prior to listening to the show. But I want to definitely give you an opportunity to leave some words with our um, listeners, you know, before we wrap things up and tell them how they can get in contact with you. But yeah, please share some parting words with our audience. Um, stay connected to people you love, however you can do that whether it's uh, via phone, uh, via Zoom, uh, having socially distanced walking, uh, porch visits, it's so important because your, your family of your heart as well as your family by blood, That's that right. makes a lot of difference. Yeah, yeah, don't postpone joy. Don't joy postpone joy. Joy is, you know, as, as the name of your podcast so clearly shows, you know, it, it is the now that matters. And um, one of my favorite lines, it comes from a medieval mystic, a, a Christian spiritual master named Julian of Norwich. She lived in the 1300s. And she said, the fullness of joy is to behold God in all. And, and I believe that is just so true. So learning to see the divine presence in all people and all situations and all circumstances, it's there. We don't often notice it, but I think that becomes a really important spiritual practice is to just look for that divine presence, listen for the, the flutter of angels' wings. And I think when we try, mm -hmm. we, will, we will notice. Um, so 
I, I'm the one with the website, but I do have have some of Fran's art on the website. Absolutely. It's I'm gonna I'm gonna spell it because it's an Irish word. It's okay. A N as in Nancy, A M as in Mary, C H A R A dot com. That's anamkara.com. It's an Irish word that means soul friend. So um so that's that's it. And of course you can learn more about my books and my my ministry, uh, my blog, my, my the podcast that I do, et cetera, et cetera. But then also, you know, we have an e-commerce section where you can purchase the books, also purchase some of Fran's uh, original art as well. So. Awesome, awesome sauce. Oh, well, it doesn't get any better than that. That's how you all are living in the now. And like, again, I so appreciate you being here. Yeah, I love you with my whole heart. I thank you for, for sharing this space with me for you know all that that you continue to do through your ministry and and the wonderful example that you set for others and and you know showing God's grace and God's love I appreciate that so much okay and so that will do it for us for this edition of the how now podcast where we talk about how to live in the now and until I see you all the next time I say peace Thank you so much. Thank you.